I've just about had it with these losers. Flaming death! <laughs> Oh, the jungle VIP I've reached the top and had to stop And that's what's bothering me I want to be a Welcome to the Himalayas Hello and welcome, uh, you're listening to Mouse Madness A podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney I'm Chris Bowersox And I'm Kyle Skinner And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic Generate a bracket and debate our way through the madness To figure out who or what is truly the best Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, we are back. We are back talking about the Pixar king himself, John Ratzenberger. And we're here to to break down uh, the best John Ratzenberger Pixar character in, as Mustafa would say, part de <laughs> of, uh, of the bracket. Yeah, part one was a lot of fun. There wasn't a ton of work to be done. There's a lot of just, you know, explaining. We left a lot hanging so that we could dive into it here on part two, knowing just that these higher seeds were going to move on past some of the lower seed cameos. But I had a lot of fun and I really enjoy talking about these characters, breaking down their personality profiles. It's been a ton of fun. And I have a feeling that our guest host is going to have to put in some work this episode. Returning yet again for part two of the best John Ratzenberger bracket is our pal, Chels. Chels, welcome back. Thanks so much, guys. And yeah, please, I'd love to, to break some more ties here. So <laughs> let's, let's get fisticuffs. Come on. You know, I hate to, to say it and bring it up here, but we're here in part two land, right? Fresh off of an exit by the underminer and you're showing up into my house wearing an Incredibles hat? <laughs> yeah. I just thought maybe it was like just a little bit more salt in the wound. Yeah, so. a little bit. I'm out here with my Pixar Incredibles 2 hat, double eye on the Pixar eye. You're here with your Incredibles hat. Uh, I feel a little bit betrayed still knowing that the Underminer was a fantastic John Ratzenberger character, but I'm going to have to get over it because we have plenty to talk about today. Chris, what are you drinking? Let's hop into a spoonful of sugar. What What well, is in your cup after being, unless you have something else you want to... Dive into I mean, it. you know, I it's not so much what's in my cup this oh. week as so much as what's on my plate this week. Oh, oh. Um, I'm drinking water. Um, Good. But uh, busy day, and and I just did not have time to eat today. So I'm, <laughs> I ordered lunch, I uh, got it delivered, and then had to put it in the refrigerator. And now I'm eating my lunch at 7 p.m., um, which is after most people's dinner time um <laughs> shout out to one of my favorite chains uh rubios rubios <laughs> fresh mexican grill dude i love rubios okay. and a couple of years ago they came out with a california burrito uh which i don't know why they didn't have one uh, definitely does not taste like an authentic california burrito you'd get in like a real uh you know, taco shop or burrito stand or whatever. Um, but it's still pretty dang good. Okay. Uh, carne asada, French fries, guacamole, um, and some chipotle sauce. I always add sour cream and I take away the salsa fresca because I don't like that little spice, that little chunkiness to it. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's just delicious, y'all. It's delicious. Are you um, telling me that you 
went ahead and you microwaved up a California burrito with some French fries in it. What, what's See, the method that's what of I was going to say. That's what I was going to say is there are foods that heat up well. Pizza, pasta, yep. lasagna. Yep. They, keep, they keep in the refrigerator. Burritos? Mm. Hit or miss. Mm. <laughs> if, anyway, if you have ever microwaved a Hot Pocket, you know it's a <laughs> crapshoot. Yeah. Um, so what I did is I cut it in half first. And then I microwaved it for Smart. a minute and a half. Um, and it's like, it's not like, you know, it, it will never be as like hot and perfect as it was when you first got it. But um, it's warm enough for me to eat. Um, and this was a, I, I comped this lunch anyway. So I'm not really like going to lose any sleep over it. Not being uh, in the best form it could possibly be. Good for you. Uh, what do you got, Kyle? I am back on my home bartending game and I am revisiting an old friend. It is the dark and stormy. This is ginger beer and it is two ounces of dark rum. That's it. You can Mm. add some simple syrup if you Mm. want a little sweetness to it. You can add a little bit of lime if you want to cut out some of that sweetness. But I didn't do either of that. I just did ginger beer. I did some dark rum and I am, I even put a little palm tree swizzle stick in my spoonful of sugar mug. So I'm going to have a good time breaking down the rest of these Ratzenberger characters. Chels, what do you have in your cup this week? I returned with my uh, bloodshot red beverage here, um, my Corella Divine. Ah, you're just coming with the puns. Coming, packing with the puns. I love it. Yep. I love it. Well, we have drinks or burritos in hand, which just means that we need to revisit what happened last bracket. Our demographic for folks picking John Ratzenberger characters were in the parks, live and direct from your boy who was visiting not too long ago. And over at the Pixar shop, Nick Snacks, there were folks waiting and looking around for some Luca merch that just wasn't there. And that is who I surveyed to get our demographic or to get our bracket of 16 best John Ratzenberger characters. At the end of last round, we were left with an Elite 8 matchup that looks a little bit like this. It's the number one Ham versus the number nine Fritz. Ham being from Toy Story. Fritz being from, where the heck is Fritz? From Inside Out. Number eight, Mac from Cars versus the number five, School of Fish from Finding Nemo. Number two, P.T. Flea from A Bug's Life versus the number seven, John from Wally. And rounding out the Elite Eight is the number three, Abominable Snowman from Monsters, Inc. and its surrounding universe versus the number 11, Mustafa from Rat Tatooie. Chris, I'm going to take this one. This first matchup. You led off last round. All right. I'm hopping to this one. Number one, Ham versus number nine, Fritz. We talked a bit about Ham and how he is this overconfident, trying what Chelsea considers trying to be cool, but maybe the rest <laughs> of the kids in class don't see him as being that cool. I see him as being pretty cool. I think that he is supposed to be the straight guy of the madness of the toy room. I think we are supposed to oftentimes relate closer to him than any of the other characters. He is kind of cool, calm, collected, 
while every other toy in that room has some sort of quirk that makes them tick. And to watch through Ham's eyes is very similar to how we would kind of react if we were in that scenario, doing very everyday things like changing batteries or changing the channel and taking control when, you know, these toys can't. Uh, He's very worldly. When they steal the Pizza Planet truck in Toy Story 2 to chase down uh, Al, who is off to the airport to take Woody to Tokyo, Ham is down on the ground reading the Toyota owner's manual. He goes, oh, I doubt he's getting that kind of mileage. Like out of a toy in the toy realm, that is just such a funny thing. But of course he would know it because he is this like know-it-all. He seems to know how all of these human items and activities work. And the group kind of relies on him to understand all of that. Another thing that I really like about Ham is that he is just a source of great one-liners. A ton of them. Uh, he, when Buzz is thrown out the window and they are, you know, Woody has to go after him and he goes to, to Sid's house and Woody loses, or Buzz loses his arm after jumping off the staircase and Buzz, Woody tries to convince the group across the way that Buzz is there and he's not, uh, Ham has the line that's like, go back to your life, citizens, show's over. He's the, he's the, the voice of reason. He's the one that he's takes the lead. He is the the funny man with all of these one-liners. He despises Al. He senses that Al is the, you know, a villain be- before anybody else does. That's kind of what you can see as a viewer of you know, the audience watching these films. He calls uh, <laughs> he has a lot of like nicknames for people, so when Rex messes up, he calls him Godspilla. It's just a ton of great, relatable one-liners. And he's the the funny, cool kid of the class. And I think he's actually pretty cool. He's up against Fritz, who is inside out. He's the, the construction worker that's put together Riley's new control mood board that all of our, our emotions are going to start using. And it's a, it's a classic Ratzenberger cameo in which he says a line. It's obviously his voice. And then he moves on. But there's not a much else out of this character, unfortunately. There's just too much with Ham. We get a lot of character development in him. Uh, He is smart. He is funny. He is what I see as a Ratzenberger type, especially after the intro that Chris gave him last time. He profiles very similar to some of his early work on Cheers. And this is is his first Pixar work because it's his first Pixar character. So he kind of hops in and embodies that aura and carries that through everything else that he does for Pixar. Ham is fairly quintessential. It's going to be hard to take him down, and a, a quick cameo out of Fritz isn't going to do it. I'm going to move on number one, Ham. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. I, I quite like Fritz. Okay. Um, however, his presence raises more questions for me than answers. Um. You've got your emotions that live inside Riley's head. And then you've got Bing Bong, of course, <laughs> who is uh, an imaginary friend. Okay. You, ha- you have me here. And then they start getting down to like the, the dream, the dreams like production studio. Yeah. Um, and then you get to characters like Fritz. And and there there are other people 
in there too. Um, and that causes me a great deal of confusion. Hmm. Like who, who are these other beings inside the brain? Like, are they more sophisticated emotions? Like is Fritz um, meant to represent like ingenuity and innovation and like, uh, you know, construction know-how? Um, is he a white blood cell? Is he a red blood cell? Is he like an electron firing he's a protein, inside? Maybe? He's a protein. He's a proton. Like I don't know. It's very like I'm. If I like I guess like I said like you had me in the first half, but now you're getting into some weird Osmosis Jones type stuff mm. that is getting a little bit too too weird sure. and convenient. You know, like why don't you have uh, you know, them build the new one together. Um, where do they get the materials to build the new dream board? <laughs> Mo- new mood board. You know, like what is what is all that made out of? I don't know. Uh, um, or is all of this just a metaphor? And I'm I'm like reading way too far into. It. I mean, yep, you definitely have to dismiss most of what's happening in Inside Out, considering it's all made up. It's just like, this is my point of why I don't like the movie. It's like when you start, <laughs> when you start setting up this like world that you have to buy into, yeah. it is so fragile. Um, and you really have to be aware of the pitfalls that you can fall into for it to make sense to someone who's trying to piece it together. That is approaching it with a skeptical brain, like my own. Fritz, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. I don't know where you came from. I don't know where you live. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> but thank you for the hardware update. Um, he does important and work. Then, and uh, yeah, but then you, you get into those later scenes where you go inside Riley's mom's brain and Riley's dad's brain. And they all have the upgraded mood board. Yeah. Right. Where they're, they're like multiple people controlling it. Um, so like do they have fritzes inside of them as well totally. like is there parallel fritz totally. in, in each of them uh, and so riley's dad already has a mustache so what does fritz's <laughs> mustache look like inside of riley's dad is he rocking a fu manchu oh has he got gosh. handlebars has he got the sideburns that like go into the mustache like i need i need uh, to see that fritz oh wow great point give it to us pixar Riley's dad's <laughs> Fritz Disney Plus original series right now. The rats inverse. It could be its whole thing about like Pixar. Yeah. National Geographic. Marvel. Marvel Star Wars. Ratzenberg. Ratzenberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, the ham stuff like I, 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 I came into this feeling like ham might be sort of an overrated one seed. But as we talk more about him, he's really hitting all of the key points for me um, when it comes to Ratzenberger. The know-it-all nature, the, the fun facts. He is a bit, uh, I want to say, like contentious. He's not the easiest person to get along with, but that kind of like almost feels right in a way. Um, if you think about John Ratzenberger um, as Cliff, the, the, the guy sitting at the end of the bar. You know? <laughs> and. And here's a thing that I will concede to the thought that maybe Ham isn't as cool or likable as maybe I think he is. 
he's in the same room as Mr. Potato Head, who I think is a big enough yeah. of an asshole that he is able to fly a little bit under the radar with some of his, you know, snarky ways, as opposed to Potato Head, who's actually just rude and mean and obnoxious. Uh Potato Head goes, look, I'm Picasso. And Ham goes, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> do you, like, do you, do you think he does get it? And he's just saying, I don't get it to like clown on Potato Head and yep. make him feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, I like Fritz. Fritz is a sleeper for sure, but I'm going to go with Ham here. Uh, just too good. Going to the final four. Chels, do we agree there? For sure. And I think, Kyle, you misunderstand my impression of Ham. While I do think he is a character that that he he knows that he's funny and that he's cool and he's quirky. And I just I think as a as a fellow sliding on the type A type personality, needing things in a certain way or knowing things should be in a certain way, I envy I envy the guy. So interesting. Okay. 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 I envy the humor. All right. Let's hop down. Ham humor. Let's hop down to the next matchup. We've got the number four seed Mac versus number five fish school. This one, this one's going to be a little bit tough. I don't Um, think it's going to be tough at all, actually. Well, you know, for way different reasons than what Chelsea is alluding to. I might be the one in the middle here now, oh. honestly. Um, we talked about Mac last week. Mac's a great guy. Mac's your buddy. Uh, Mac is maybe not the smartest dude, um, but he's always there to lend a helping hand, um, and he is a genuine good person or good truck, I guess. Um, he's, he's hardworking. He's out there uh, driving across the country helping Lightning McQueen achieve his dreams and his goals. I mean, that's very noble. Um, And in a lot of ways, that's what I think about when I think of John Ratzenberger and his Made in America series. He is, uh, you know, navigating the country and the red dirt and, you know, the the cornfields and, uh, (laughs) you know, that that's Mac in a lot of ways. Then you got the fish school and this is another, you know, like Kyle made the connection to ham last episode. It's a uh, kind of a smarty type character or group of characters. The, uh, the first line is "Hey, lady, is this fish bothering you? <laughs> uh, you know, classic guy who might be overstepping his boundaries a little bit at a bar, or maybe he is like a good dude and he like a legitimate is trying to, patrol something he seems uh to to not like my favorite part is when the conversation seems like it's over and marlin turns to dory to say something about something (laughs) and then out of focus in the background the school of fish comes down and starts like mocking mocking him it's so (laughs) funny too good and we talked about uh the the general like knowledge that these fish have last episode as well they are a know-it-all um and they're a little bit snarky um but at the end of the day they are helpful like they know what they're talking about i like that they are a singular unit but they also seem to have 
individual an individual nature to them as well. Yeah. I can't remember the name of like the the one fish, but Ted. They're like he has oh, the relative yeah. in oh, Sydney. Oh, I think Ted. Yeah, I think Ted's got a cousin in Sydney. Oh yeah, you sure do. Sure do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like I watched this scene and just crack up. It is it is comedic gold. It's very good. Um and. Honestly, it benefits from the structure of the movie mm-hmm. because it's structured like the Odyssey where you have your hero um, who has been thrust from home or is on some kind of uh, quest um, and they travel around and meet various characters along the way or meet various challenges along the way um, and they're nice little chapters and then they're done and then you move on to the next one. Um, you got the sharks and that's a whole big thing. And then the sharks are gone and then they never come back. Then you got the jellyfish forest and then they're there and then, and then they never come back. Same with, you know, crush. Um, and the school of fish are, are definitely one of those things. Um, so you get that cameo nature of a John Ratzenberger appearance where he's there and then he's gone. But he also has enough time that you develop a personality and he's memorable in a way as well. Exactly. Love that about the school of fish. Um, and we get all of these movies with Mac um, and he sort of becomes watered down by the end of the movie or he becomes one note and he's uh, just kind of there. I will say I do love Mac rolling down main street in, in paint uh, the night. Paint the night. Yep. I got to say that is one of my favorite uh, parade units of any Disney parade. Um, I think that is a great, that's a great idea. Um, instead of engineering some kind of like weird abstract, uh, cars float, it's like, let's just throw Mac down there. Let's give him a dope light package and he's just going to cruise main street. I love that. Good. Yeah. Um, and it makes it so that, you know, little kids can be sitting on the curb. like, Oh, that's my boy, Mac. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Mac daddy. Uh, I'm going with the school of fish. Going with the fish, I think they're, uh, like I said, they got a good Ratzenberger balance going on. The school of fish feel like Ham if he was many fish. Like he's definitely like worldly, know-it-all, has been around the block a few times. And you get that with them knowing like where Sydney is and how to get there and what you need to do in order to get there. They give they're helpful like a Ratzenberger character where they tell Dory like no listen when you get to the trench you swim through it not over it like just remember that because that's how you get through like they're they're helpful in the way that a Mac type character is where they are trying to assist the heroes in whatever they're attempting to achieve the one of the parts that I really laugh at every single time is when they're doing charades and they're trying to get yeah. Dory to cheer up by showing her the charades and getting her to guess them right. And she can't guess them right. And Marlon keeps guessing for her. They're like, hey, clown boy, let the lady guess. And they, sh- <laughs> they show her uh, an octopus. He's like, who am I? I have eight legs. And Dory's like, a clam. And he's like, eh, close enough. Like In such a, <laughs> a Ratzenberger voice. It's just the school of fish, is, is, like I said, apparently wasn't to you but it's one of the most memorable parts of finding nemo to me for whatever reason when i think about that that film and i think it's because i watched it so many times and that part never ceases to make me laugh mac 
has the unfortunate scenario in which I just don't watch enough cars to connect with Mac. And he's there a lot, but he feels like a character in a world of too many of them, unfortunately. And even his appearance isn't super memorable. He plays important parts, like I said. Pit crew captain in the final race of Cars 1. He is the one that moves the plot along by losing lightning to begin (laughs) with. He has that kind of, you know, somewhat quirky personality that we can get out of a lot of these Ratzenberger characters where he is a little bit clever, um, but he is happy-go-lucky and really means well, especially in some of the montages. Even when Ratzenberger isn't speaking, you can see a little bit of that happy-go-lucky come out, like when my least favorite probably montage in all of Disney, Pixar, anything when they're driving cross country and life as a highway is playing. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I, I I'm cannot. I'm just going to sign off right now. I cannot What's stand. The point? I hate that song. I hate that song. And it's more so that like one, that big rascal flats kind of guy Two, not a big country kind of guy. Three. Summertime. Everybody. Are you with me? No. No. Well, I haven't got the igloo. They say, let, uh, what do they say? They say, let that Mm -hmm. igloo cooler mark your piece of paradise. Yes, yes, yes. Summertime. I hadn't Um, thought about that song since the last time I heard it, which was however many summers ago. And um, you also love uh, the don't touch my truck scary. No, isn't I that don't. the one? What's the and you? Oh, there's a Hardy song uh, that you don't like, right? Hardy song that I don't like. Red, uh, ain't nobody redneckered than me. Is that the one? <laughs> oh, is that Rascal Flats? No, no. I'm just, I'm just. Okay, trying. There's yeah, a, just there's a specific, there's yeah. a specific, specific song you do not like that yeah, they play a lot. Yeah, it was um, uh, J.B. Wendelkin's walk-in song uh, out of the pen for the A's. It was Rednecker Than You yeah, is what that's the hardy. song was. Yeah, yeah yep. I don't like it. Uh, and also why I don't like Life is a Highway is because I used to work at a theater camp in high school. And the ensemble song that the entire group had to sing, the entire camp had to sing, was Life is a Highway mm. because it was a Pixar-themed um summer camp that summer and i hated it i did not like it wow it's uh it's just not a song that i enjoy so mac plays a big part of that montage he's making some faces into like the gas tanker uh truck that is driving he's he is just being silly because the montage can only be of mac because lightning's inside of (laughs) inside of mac how does that work? What does that feel like for Mac as a car to have another car parked inside that caboose, baby? <laughs> oh, you know, you know what I'm we're saying? Getting, we're getting, we're getting, a little, we're getting a little R-rated on you, this. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm just describing the movie Cars. I'm not saying anything that's not true. You watch that movie too. Lightning parks right in that caboose, and he parks oh right God. in that Big Mac truck, baby. Park that little McQueen right in this Big Mac truck or whatever Meg the Stallion said. Anyways, I digress. Um, it's definitely not Mac moving on here. 
It is going to be the school of fish. Down goes Chelsea's favorite. Ratzenberger really Y'all should have let me go first because I had such a cute story. No, tell and it. You have time. I can't. I can't because Kyle literally destroyed all aspects of the story <laughs> that I was going to tell. Well, now we have to hear what the story is. What did well, I destroy? Basically... It's the entire sequence of The Rascal Flats' Life is a Highway. (laughs) It's a huge part of, I mean, I absolutely love that song, love their version of that song, and love the moment of when Max driving, and I know this the, the part in the song when he's doing his faces into uh, the reflection of the other truck, and 10 out of 10, doesn't matter if I'm where I'm listening. It could be in public, private, doesn't matter. I will 100% make those faces. <laughs> and I don't even realize it most of the time that I'm doing it. I'll just be like listening to the music and then I'm making those faces. Like it's it's like it lives within my body and just needs to come out. And I was at a Rascal Flats concert a couple of years ago. And I like... I was full on just like making these faces and the person sitting, standing beside me, like looked over. Cause like, you know how like the lights are coming and it just like, yeah. hit my face and the look of horror on their faces <laughs> of like, what is she doing? And then it was my look of how do you not know what I'm doing? Yeah. Like, I'm judging you right now, actually. So yeah, basically um, I hate you both and <laughs> cars is the best. Always I mean, Come you know, and fight me. we've been kicking around the best car bracket for a while. Yes. And, you know, we might have to make it up to you by by fast tracking that one to the top <laughs> of our queue. Um, and we can bring you back for that one. Yeah, <clears throat> I have so much to say. Can't wait. Maybe I'll be the tiebreaker for that one. You you can guess us. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. I'll, I'll do it correctly yeah. in the sense of making sure that we're making the right picks. Alright, give me out the doghouse. Let's go to the, the next right one. The right picks are picks. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to this next matchup. It is going to be the number two PT Flea from A Bug's Life versus number seven John. Dove into John quite a bit. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about why I love P.T. Flea so much. It is because he is fed up with the entire world. And I love that about him, especially in this like, you know, Disney umbrella in which a lot goes right for most characters. It seems like everything goes wrong for P.T. no matter how hard he tries. It's whether he's trying to run a circus and all of his circus performers are not at the same level of hype that he is or he's losing business and needs to think quick on his feet and come up with a plan and make it happen and there's a lot of yelling you get a lot of john ratzenberger rasp out of this chris you brought up the greatest line maybe greatest ratzenberger line in this entire bracket when the stick bug is like, all they do is laugh at me. And he's like, that's because you're a clown. It's that is the embodiment of who PT Flea is. He is surrounded by folks who just don't see eye to eye with him and what his ambitions and his goals and what his motives are. PT as a driver, give me that as a roller coaster, as a dark ride, as something. 
when he comes whipping around the anthill in the scene where where he's looking for his circus performers and they don't the ants don't realize that the group mm. is circus performers yet and he comes hauling over that hill as if he's yeah. on the slopes of San Francisco driving Ejector. 65 airtime mm-hmm, yeah. little airtime he's whipping those centipedes around millipedes around to try and get them to where they need to go He's a liability, but he looks like he's a lot of fun. He's got money on his mind. He's a businessman. He, that that lines up with some of our Ratzenberger characters, like Abominable Snowman, who turns into a, a snow cone salesman, like Ham, who in Toy Story 1 is gambling with Mr. Potato Head while playing Battleship. They got money on their mind. They're out here. They're hustlers. You love to see that. And that hustle mentality and businessman mindset Stays with him till the end. He, at when they're rounding up all the circus performers to head on back to wherever they need to go, he's trying to recruit Flick to join the circus with them. He's out here, you know, I just went through the most traumatic experience of any of our lives fighting for our lives against these grasshoppers who have been harassing my friends in, in this ant colony. But you know what? We survived. Well, you come join the circus with us. Like he's just on to the next thing, the next big thing. I love that a lot about PT and who he is. However, I think he might be a little too intense on that realm to fit into what we consider the John Ratzenberger character. I think that when you compare even his kind of profile to a ham type, they're at the same kind of like know-it-all, I-know-best sort of mentality, but Ham seems to have a little bit more patience, not a, a lot, not very much because he pushes everybody aside to get the job done, but he's not screaming at his friends like P.T. does, right? P.T. is like this big mob boss circus owner that is screaming. And you don't get that a ton out of any of these other Ratzenberger characters. You either get the cool, calm, confident, or you get the happy-go-lucky. And P.T. Flea is a bit of an anomaly from that. Granted, he's probably my favorite John Ratzenberger character, but I don't know that he profiles as most quintessential. And quintessential also translates to best in my eyes. You, I want to see like what embodies the best John Ratzenberger character, and he's definitely established that over the years. And P.T. was his second foray into that. It's mm-hmm. the second... Ratzenberger character ever after Ham makes sense for a one-two punch here. But I just, I love him a lot. But he's up against John who feels very similar to a lot of the other characters. And he has that happy-go-lucky mentality. He's relatable. We can see ourselves in him as an audience general public. Might not really seem like that with P.T. Fleet. People might not see that. They might see P.T. as being a little impatient and aggressive. But John is having this awakening with the audience and making us think and feeling like we could be like John if this scenario happened. I might not be like PT. And I think that's important in a Ratzenberger character, even if it's a cameo, you can see yourself in it. I can see myself as husband crap from Finding Dory if I really think about it hard enough. So I'm going to go with the upset here for whatever reason. I'm going to do John from Wally moving on. I'm just I'm I'm a little bit hung up on your you want a PT flea attraction? 
Yeah. Comment, like, I want a. Um, let's I wanna, say, dig, dig into that a little bit more. Let's, let's imagine you're a little PT flea attraction. We already had a Bugs Land, Kyle. Rest in peace. And they blew it. They didn't put the PT flea attraction in there. It's, they probably could have done without tuck and roll uh, bumper cars, yeah. to be honest. Um, yeah, they and they could have gone with. You take you take the the Conestoga wagons, mm. um, and you rethee them to PT Flea. See, I I see it more so as a Casey Junior type, but it's a high speed road. It's like a it's like a Big Thunder Mountain, and you're okay. in a you're in a circus crackers box, and you are riding around Bugsland. I think that's more of the and that the uh, attraction that I want out of PT Fleet. Okay, and instead of like a calming like Casey Junior's rolling around, it's like go look out! <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Grasshoppers at three o'clock. You <laughs> that was really good. You already have a a Heimlich's choo choo, so you need to offset that a little bit, right? Candy corn. <laughs> um, los I have, manos y los piernas. Miss it. Miss it so much. Um, and I want to dive in a little bit to the to the culture of the axiom oh. itself. <laughs> okay, like, and 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 I want to talk through some of the tech as well. I'm having some, I'm having some difficulties because it's really easy to, on the on the surface to to accept the axiom. There's a bunch of people. Everyone's floating around in hover chairs all the time. They are drinking their food and they have robots do all of the manual labor. Yep. Things to do on the Axiom. Hang out around the pool, but not go inside it. Mm-hmm. Unless you're John. Um, in a, unless you're John and his friend, who I don't know her name. Mary. Or Mary. you can hit Mary. Yeah. I think okay. her name's Mary. Well, there you go. Or you can hit golf balls into space. I think there's a line. It's like you want to hit the space driving range and hit space balls into space or something like that. Um, I don't know exactly what that might look like, but um, it seems like there's just not enough for society to like function. There's a school. There's a shot of a school. Um, and there's, it's almost like the scene in the Mandalorian where like there's a robot teaching who is like, uh, <laughs> Uh, this is, uh, your by and large is your best friend. Oh, A right. stands for axiom, your home. B stands for by and large, your best friend. Um, and then there's a little baby trying to steal macaroons in the corner. <laughs> um, but like there needs to be like, a, like doctors, right? I would love to have seen some type of like medical clinic or something. Or do these or have like diseases been, filtered out genetically um, right. and they've like the axiom is so pure there there are no viruses there is no bacteria on it because remember they're been, um, they've been in space for like three thousand years so this ecosystem has existed by itself and evolved by itself where there's no foreign contaminants taking place anywhere or entering their ecosystem which is why they have that little cleaner robot and why the little cleaner robot is freaking out that Wally's there because he's dragging in contaminants. And Mm. so I think that we're seeing how human life could sustain itself if there was just purity 
and we would give in to gluttony the entire time. Also, if by and large is this big corporation, right? Like a Walmart, essentially, that's selling all of these products that you need to have and you must have and you get them in bulk and you you end up just this big blob that's on a on a chair. Who's running that company? And who's like, is there by and large satellite store on the Axiom? And is there a marketing person sitting in their own big hover chair that's just like, we need them to consume more. We need them to consume more. Like what is happening? It's the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. That was was my my impression was that uh, the the, the original president dude um, who died, who was played by... uh, Shelby forthright. Really? Wait, that is that. Hold on, that's the. Oh, sorry, Fred Willard is yes, the actor. Fred Willard. Shelby was... forthright is is that is his character name? Okay. Yes, yes. I was gonna. I was say like, Fred that's a very Wilbur. whimsical name. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe. Yes. But... Fred Willard. I was gonna yes. say Frank Wilbur, but Fred Willard. Rest Fred in Willard. peace, Fred Almost Willard. All right. That He's... sounds like a real name. So, like my like in in the the canon in my head, he like set up. Like you said, some type of algorithm or AI to like keep the operation running, um, and it might have even been like an act of benevolence of sorts. Like, okay, um, in order to save humanity, I have to make it self-sustaining, um, and I'm programming the the devices to to facilitate human life. Um, where like the, the HAL 9000 autopilot thing, um, that was like the, the nucleus, that was the brain center of, of by and large and of the whole operation. Yeah. Um, and maybe the, the, the conglomerate itself didn't exist anymore, but maybe they had determined that in people's heads, it was for everyone's benefit for them to believe that it did. Um, and that helps kind of like them understand their existence right now okay so there's no disease there's no disease uh <laughs> diabetes there's no diabetes all right nope. no one's dying from obesity uh people's muscles have atrophied severely and uh the bone mass in people's body is deteriorating with every generation but let's just say that uh, that's fine they figured out a way around that and there's some nutrients in the by and large drinks that makes that Okay. They're, okay. Like, they're fine. Here's here is the number one thing I don't understand about the Axiom and the world of Wally. Show me a toilet. How do they go <laughs> to the bathroom when they it's cannot magic. walk? You never have to go to the bathroom. They can't walk. They can't stand up. It, are they wearing like vacuum diapers that just like suck the waste out of them and then like into the track that they're riding on? They're like little skate pods. You just go in your chair, empties into this little canister that has its own little escape pod that zooms off into wherever it needs to go to spell the waste. And then there you are. You never have to leave your chair ever again. All right, now show me the robot team that is like sorting through the human waste um, because they have to recycle that. They have to recycle that somehow. I mean, they ruin the earth. I don't know that they actually care about anything environmental if they're in space, right? That's say, what can got you them ruin into space. 
Sounds like we might be, right? <laughs> Isn't there a bunch of like plastic and waste and dead yeah. satellites up there? That I, we're mean, kinda I know, but if, if like if the world blows up, then we're we're all just we cease to exist. But can space just cease to exist? Oh man, we're asking the big yeah. questions here. This is, this, this is bigger. <laughs> this is bigger than this podcast. I think you finally outkicked the coverage of Mouse Madness. <laughs> <laughs> They need fuel also, right? Like they need fuel to pro- be propelling themselves through space. So they Unless burning they the human waste? Maybe. This is what I'm saying. What does it smell like on the Axiom? If people are just defecating themselves constantly when they're riding around in these chairs, what does it smell like on the Axiom? It smells like a it smells like a giant porta potty floating through the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Can't smell good, man. Cannot smell good. Also, I want to point out, um, Mary is riding on this little like transportation. It's like a transportation for your transportation. Um, like you ride your hover chair onto this little train, and then the train drives your little hover chair. I guess it can go places faster than your hover chair can or something. I don't know if you remember this, Kyle. No. But I remember when Wally first came out, um, there were people speculating that this new people mover was going to be the new people mover. Oh. And no, they thought that it was some type of like pre-planted Easter egg um, that, that this was going to be the new version of whatever attraction they were going to put in Tomorrowland. No, didn't. Wow. That was, that was like a thing. Um, and someone just totally pulled that out of their butts. Just like, (laughs) just like the space refuse on the Axiom just (laughs) sucked up. Uh, Oh, I, I, I get what you're saying. John, John is a good guy. Great guy. Um, nice guy. More John Ratzenberger for sure. I am not going to go by the book here. And I am just going to go by the fact that I enjoy P.T. Flea way too much Okay. to send him home against John. Okay. You know, maybe against Abominable, but not against John. I'm advancing P.T. Flea. Chelsea, you're breaking this tie. Okay, come on. Like, I was really hoping you were just going to make this easy for me because <laughs> I... Can't let my bias completely overtake the bracket. But let me just point out that there was way more conversation stirred up by Wally. That first A, I think we do need to address. And B, I just think it needs to be taken into account. That John's character stirred up more conversation. However, in terms of like comparing the two... John's the character that you want to be, but P.T. Flea's the character that we all know we are deep down inside. Wow. So I think I'll have to go with P.T. Flea. Does surpass the character. P.T. Flea is the everyman. Move aside, Mickey Mouse. Uh, Yeah, honestly. (laughs) We've got a new we've got a new mayor of Toontown. It's P.T. Flea. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm here Give for me it. his autograph. I'm going to I'm going to PT Flea's house next time I'm in Toontown. Oh, could you imagine like a little tiny? It's like to scale. It's like actually like a little tiny house. You just yeah. It's not that you got shrunken down. It's literally just that it's a little flea house. 
You're like, yeah. that's where PT lives. All right. Who will meet PT Flea in the final four? We've got number three, Abominable slash Adorable Snowman versus number 11, Mustafa. Mustafa with a little upset last week. Took down the underminer. We like Mustafa because he um, he's a hardworking dude. Um, he is a bit skittish. Um, and he has he has a little little sense of like precociousness about him, a little snootiness maybe, simply because he's working in a fancy restaurant. He's a fancy guy. He's uh, got a French accent. You know, he he kind of comes off not super Ratzenbergery in that way, but. Deep down, he is a hardworking guy, and he uh, is just trying to get his job done at the end of the day. He's out there uh, working face-to-face with all of the clients at Gusto's, and you know he has good days and he has bad days. And uh, that is really kind of an everyman-type uh, personality trait. <clears throat> then we've got Abominable, which, Kyle, you, you said that, um, you know, the 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 kind of general good guy good vibes um, is is definitely a Ratzenberger bucket and I think Abominable Snowman really kind of embodies that quite well. Um, Abominable doesn't seem to be concerned about much of anything at all. Uh, <laughs> no. The man has been permanently banished by Monsters Inc. Um, in a super unjust fashion and expresses absolutely zero desire to undo those injustices, fight them in any way, or even like leave his exile. The man is in the Himalayas near a village, but like what's stopping him from like walking somewhere else? He could be be chilling like on the beaches uh, in Japan or something. I don't know. Sure. I don't know how geography works in Central Asia, but... I mean, I he could just go through doors. Is. He could just go through doors, right? It's the same thing that Mike and Sully did to get out of the Himalayas. They just would right. walk through houses and go through closet doors, which would enter into other and back into the like floor, right? And then they would just yeah, keep he, opening doors and they would go. He to, just, I, I think the, the kind of like cynical way to look at it is he's not trying very hard to improve his circumstances. Yeah. But like the optim the optimistic way to look at it is he's perfectly content right where he is. Exactly. And he he requires nothing else in life. Yep, it's other like, than some, some snow cones and some good company. It's like husband fire. crab with his rock grass. He does not need anything else than a little rock moss that he can go ahead and trim every Saturday. And and you know, we think about those characters like Cliff from Cheers that Ratzenberger has played and you know, he's a, a mailman is a noble profession, but he, he is not conquering the world in any way. And that's really kind of a, a part of culture that is becoming normalized is this idea that you can't just have a job. You have yeah. to be a boss. You have yeah. to be a CEO and you have to be a billionaire. And that is what success looks like. And so someone like Cliff, who, who heads to his favorite bar and drinks a beer and chills with his buddies, like that's a perfectly successful existence in my opinion. And, and it's the same thing with abominable, right? Like he's been banished. He's been uh, on the receiving end of some injustices. He, uh, at the same time, just has no problem with it. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the, I like the chill vibe, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) so I'm going to go with abominable snowman here for sure there's a uh i agree with all of that in your your 
synopsis of who this character is. And as I was trying to figure out how he got banished, and then we find out it's because he found out about Waternoose's plan with the the scream machine or whatever that thing was. He drops hints along the way in that Monsters at Work episode. He's like in the the office of Mike and Sully, maybe, or he it's when he's just kind of wandering around the grounds and he makes a comment that he's like, Man, I love reading unopened mail. And, it, oh, and you're yeah. like, wait a minute. Home the homeboy tamper, and that's why he got he got booted. Uh but I, anyways, just an Easter egg that he and Ratzenberger kind of dropped, almost like an like Ratzenberger himself is an Easter egg. It felt very meta at that moment, uh, and then it kind of turned out we found out why he got banished. But he is that hospitable Mac type character that Ratzenberger plays. He is. A great uh, like, just like our hospital fam Mac in Paint the Night, the music loop for the Monsters Inc. float begins with Abominable Snowman screaming, welcome to the Himalayas. <laughs> so he is a Disneyland king as well. R.I.P. Paint the Night, which I miss very much. He's friends with Bigfoot, which, you know, you want a Ratzenberger character to have these friends because they are generally liked or at least tolerated if unless you're somebody that's like pt flea who is just kind of the boss but there is one moment in which he doesn't kind of fit that happy-go-lucky optimistic safe content person or at least he says something out of character and that's when tyler is trying to disguise him as his dad at that front desk. And Tyler goes, ah, no, this is my dad. Aren't you dad? And he was like, eh, it's entirely possible. There was this one time, like, and you're just kind of like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, what was yeah, that one that's time? Right. It that's felt right. A little Disney star for us. Exactly. It felt out of place for that character who you almost think wouldn't divulge that information. He talks a lot, but it's about innocent things. It's about yaks most of the time. In the first movie, he's talking about yaks milk. In the in the Monsters at Work, when him and Tyler get trapped, he's becoming what Tyler calls a yak encyclopedia. Uh, it's all these kind of in, innocent, worldly, fun fact stuff. But here he is dropping a little hint that he hooked up with somebody at an office party one time. And that Tyler could possibly be his son. Felt very weird for this particular character. I was going to say Ham would just, Ham would say that. Ham would let you know up front that you could be his son. He would tell you yeah. immediately upon looking at you that you might be, you might be his son. Um, I didn't pass along Mustafa last time and I'm not going to do it again. I just don't think that he's a great Ratzenberger character. So I'm also going to go with the abominable snowman, but I think that that one line might come back to bite him. Uh, Chels, snowman's moving on. What do you think? Well, I'm moving on to oh, my new oh, hat. Oh, 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 oh. Costume change. Oh, it's the not the... Monsters University. Not the Monsters. 
Not the hat. <laughs> no way. One of the original Mouse Madness demographics. Oh, my Ma- god! M.U. hat wears. Love it, Chels. Oh Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Perfect for this winner of this particular bracket. Wow. And there you go. I promise this uh, show isn't scripted. Seed. She didn't know that this was going to happen. She's just that good. She's prepared. That wow, good. that good. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a woman of many hats, Chelsea, and I appreciate that about you. Oh, yeah. It's my greatest quality. Uh, I love it. All right, final four time. Let's move on to this first matchup. It's number one, Ham versus the number five, School of Fish. This one's tough because you got a the cameo of all cameos, in my opinion, in the School of Fish, where you get enough, as Chris said, to build the character up but you also only spend a sliver of time with him as a cameo would in the storyline that had many stops along the way for marlin and dory but you have ham who is in every film he's in most of the shorts and he's also in uh uh the forky series he talks about money with Forky, right which is very good and i i love that forky series a ton Forky asked a question. Forky asked a question. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to read off some of the great lines that Ham gives because almost every single time he speaks, he has some sort of quip or something funny that is said. When Buzz and Woody first go missing in Toy Story 1, he's communicating with the garden gnome across the street. I don't know if you remember this scene, but he's like communicating him through the blinds. They're doing like Morse code. Oh, yeah. And everyone's trying to like look for him. Is like Rex is looking into the bush and it's whiskers rattling in the bush. And he's like, not now, whiskers. And Ham's like, the yard gnome across the street said they're not in the yard, but uh, he'll keep looking. (laughs) That, but uh, he'll keep looking is such a Ratzenberger line. Anytime that he's going to you know, drag out one of his words and have that rasp in it that I can't do. That's Ratzenberger. One of the great comedic moments of, of Ham, Toy Story 2. They're on their way to Alice Toy Barn. They're running along the sidewalk. Ham trips and his cork pops out. <laughs> yeah. And all of the change comes filling out and he turns around and he's like, all right, nobody look until I get my cork back in. <laughs> And it's so like him just having these one liners and and bringing to light things that like the audience would really think is funny because it's like, yeah, what, what, how does he treat like the quirk scenario? Apparently it's like wearing pants to this character and my favorite, possibly one of my favorites. And we talked about this scene recently and I don't remember the context or maybe I didn't, maybe it wasn't on the show. Maybe it was, I don't know. If we did, then cool. You all remember. If you don't, I'm going to explain it anyways. But when they are all in Andy's room in the first movie, awaiting the arrival of all the presents. Oh, yeah. We talked about that when we were talking about gifts, I think. Oh, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. They're showing all up. And we had talked about the one that is actually extra long, but the perspective showed that it was small and all the toys freaked out. Right before that, Rex asks if there's any dinosaur-shaped presence because he can't see out that far. And Ham goes, oh, for crying out loud, they're all in boxes, you idiot. And that made me laugh very hard because, of course, 
Of course he would say that. He is that snarky pointing out the obvious, though. Like, he's not wrong, and he's not being mean about being wrong. I mean, calling him an idiot is not nice, but he's right. He he knows these are toys show up in boxes. Why would there be a dinosaur-shaped one? That specific dialogue exchange is the intro to part two of our best on-screen Disney gift episode. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. <laughs> You're on it. You're all over it. And then what makes this whole thing difficult is that, like I said, it's up against the the cameo of all cameos, in my opinion. But I still think I'm going to side with the one seat here. I think that Ham does enough to embody a lot of the Ratzenberger qualities. I think that he comes off as kind of that everyman in a sea of incompetent friends, or at least in the sea of quirky friends and he keeps the audience and himself level by being the voice of reason and rationality in all of these scenarios it's not often that he acts out of turn he's even the one that finds where al's toy barn is uh when they're kind of walking along the bushes he's like uh why did the toys cross the road to get to the big chicken on the other side he's the one that is always along for the ride, but he's going to be the voice of reason. I really like that about Ratzenberger characters that I can see myself as them, or at least who I would want to be in that scenario. I'm going to go with the one seed moving on here. I'm, I'm going with the five seed. I, whoa, I'm, whoa, I'm, whoa. I'm leaning on that cameo aspect, that, okay. that smaller role that's a little bit more fleshed out. I respect uh, it. I love Ham. I agree with everything you say, but too many movies, too main of a character. This is where he goes down for me. Um, and I'm going with the fish school to the final. So, Chels, it's up to you. Oh, dang. Well, part of my vengeance wants to not go with fish school simply because that was part of <laughs> kicking Mac out. The real star of the John Ratzenberger. They're in the Mac Division. Mac Division rivals. You can't. Yeah. (laughs) But I. So it's interesting because I feel like subconsciously, and I hope this. you, You can cut this out if you don't like it. But subconsciously, we've all sort of decided that Ham is like the the standard that every other character needs to meet up to. Because if you look at it, we've compared him to almost every single other character. Sure. So I, I'm going to move Ham forward simply because I want to see if he is going to take the champ. He's going to take gold. All right. Number one, Ham to the finals. Way to go, Baconator. Idaho. <laughs> Pig facts. Pig facts. <laughs> um, all right. So... Who will Ham meet in the finals? It's number two PT Flea versus number three Abominable. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing about PT Flea. He's the only one with a mustache left here. Wow. Um, well, yeah, sure. It's a, it it is definitely like meant to look sort of mustache. Yes, 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 yes. It's a stretch, but like it's there. I, I'm hearing what you're saying, Kyle, about him being a little bit too curmudgeony. Uh, for for it to be a true Ratzenberger representation. Um, and this was so early on in Pixar that it wasn't really a, a joke yet. Um, it was, I think it was just, uh, he, he happened to work on a couple of projects um, and this was just the part that he got. 
I mean, we love it and we and we love him, but I don't think he had really come into his own as Pixar Ratzenberger at this point. Abominable was a perfect Ratzenberger cameo. If we were talking about just Monsters, Inc., it's the same thing as The Fish School, that he's on screen long enough to have a little character, but then he's gone and you don't have to think about him again. He's fun. He's there for a second. He does indeed serve a purpose, so it's not like fan service or anything like that. Um, and like the question I have to ask myself is, is it the same knowing that we get more Abominable and then we get more Abominable and then a whole episode about Abominable in Monsters at Work? <laughs> I think it, it kind of weakens the impact of the cameo a bit for sure. But yeah. I'm sticking with, I, I think I'm sticking with Abominable still here. I think uh, all of those things that we outlined last round about Abominable, being a very content person, very nice, very agreeable. Um, he's not as like smart, know-it-all-y as a lot of these other characters are. He seems a bit dense, to be honest. Um, but I like his general attitude and his general energy. And it reminds me kind of of that calm goodness that ultimately is what I think about when I think about Ratzenberger and his vocal performances. Very comforting. Yeah. I think that Abominable Snowman is knowledgeable and know it all It's just about what he knows. You brought it up last time that he knows a lot about the kids in the village. Sure, there are kids, there are these yelling kids, crying kids, kids crying, uh, climbing on rocks or whatever it was, right? He knows everything about yak and yak's milk. And once you remove the hair, it's actually quite enjoyable. He's He knows a lot, but he's also, I don't know, that dense. It feels like he's more so just content with not knowing what he doesn't know. Hmm. He's like, he's taken refuge on this mountain in the Himalayas and he's found his place there and he's fine just knowing what he knows, what he needs to survive, which apparently is yaks and snow cones and staying away from <laughs> the children. Because don't forget that like these folks are afraid of kids and he's been, you know, banished in the time that Mike and Sully found Boo and realized that kids won't kill these monsters. So he's not necessarily going to go into the village because he's been told that kids are dangerous, right? So he's made the best out of his situation up on the hill, which is just to hang out with the yaks apparently and, and observe from afar, make his snow cones. I still get hung up on that one line about hooking up with somebody maybe. And the Tyler might be his kid. That feels like so out of place for a character that is supposed to profile as the more innocent, happy-go-lucky Ratzenberger. Chels brought it up. Like We could probably see a Ham or a P.T. Flea. I guess probably only those two. Maybe Fish School, if it was the right question. Having that same kind of reaction, but like not the snowman. Hey, I think we might have fertilized some eggs over there once. <laughs> Nemo, uh, sounds like my kid's name. Might have known a Nemo once, once or twice. Yeah, I. It's, ah, yeah, it, 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 it's tough. But I also didn't pass PT Flea along because I felt he was a little bit too aggressive of a Ratzenberger character, where he exemplifies the the rasp, the snark, and the yell. 
but he's also quite mean most of the time. And it's not a, a soft mean that I think that Ham portrays, but it's like an actual like hurtful mean, <laughs> like where he's trying to use that to manipulate and take advantage of people. That's his whole job is to keep these circus folks with him at all times. And he is kind of an abusive employer, if I may say so. And that feels like kind of out of place. So I think that I'm going to go ahead and agree and set up this final matchup. It's going to be the Abominable Snowman moving on, which means that we have a number one ham and a number three Abominable Snowman in the finals. Charles, don't tell us who you're, you're siding with, but did you think that we would get here, that this would be the final matchup? I was really interested to see how this was going to go because I'm like, if you're looking at ham versus PT Flea, it's like, aggressive versus like semi-aggressive versus aggressive character like they're both in the same realm but then if you have ham and a bottomless snowman it's like aggressive slash sarcastic and sweet heart of gold and sarcastic so i don't know i was i was like I, it could go either way i'm not surprised because they're like they're very iconic they've been around for a very long time um and they both have had several movies and offspring shows and whatever. Yeah. Uh, whereas Bugs Life has kind of been the one and done for the most part. Um, so I'm not surprised, but I was really interested to see where this was going to go. And I think the the one and done definitely profiles as Ratzenberger. But there's also a yeah. personality that comes along with that that has been established and I don't know. This one in three feels like it plays both sides of the card for who a Ratzenberger character might be. Well, now we have to decide aggressive or nice. What are we going to go with? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kyle, when you said PT is sort of an abusive boss, um, I kind of spaced out for a second and, and I've been spending most of my time on Reddit. Um, that is like my social media platform of choice the last probably two years. Uh-huh. I just can't, I just cannot do any other ones anymore. Um, but r slash anti work has become like the, the most popular, <laughs> fastest growing Reddit. Sure. Um, and it's a lot of people, you know, talking about unhealthy, unsafe, toxic work environments. And it's recently become kind of almost like, it's turned on itself where people are using it as like a karma farming tool Well, where they'll do like creative, <laughs> like fake creative writing pieces on like workplace behaviors to get uh, upvotes and attention. And I'm just now thinking about like... <laughs> you should write one. As like <laughs> writing a PT flea like piece written from the perspective of like uh, one of the, like Heimlich or something like that. Or, Francis yeah. posting on our anti-work. Tuck and roll and about how like you've been trying to assimilate to the culture and PT just doesn't have, your boss just doesn't have the patience and is yelling and abusing you because you don't understand. Or Slim being like, you know, I tried to um, branch out I'm into, into other skill sets that I know I'm good at at work, but my boss uh, insists that he does uh, some, what I like I'm supposed to do and it's really demeaning <laughs> and demoralizing and he doesn't care. And um, he yelled at me and told me I'm a clown in front of my coworkers. <laughs> yeah. Also unsafe working environment, really unsafe. Very unsafe. Yeah, unsafe. He lit himself on fire. All right, let's declare 
the best John Ratzenberger character. It's either the number one ham from Toy Story, all of those films and shorts, or the number three abominable snowman from all of the films and in the current Disney Plus series. This one is easy for me, and I'm going to go ahead and go with the number one ham. I think that Ratzenberger set the tone for who he was going to continue to cameo as. And you see that in Fritz. You see that in even a little bit in Husband Crab. You see that in School Fish, Fish School. Um, he's going to be more of the, the snarky, playful, funny type. While some of his other softer cameos feel like they just wanted to get his voice in there just to say that they got John in there. And those softer characters often are just giving off a line um, or they are doing a poor accent and just showing up. Or he does it and is uncredited in the subway scene in in one of the better Pixar movies that I, I really enjoy. And so I think that like Ham and his everyday manness in the scenario that they are in. Maybe it's not like I'm not going to want to be a ham in every situation that I'm ever in, but in this Toy Story world, there's got to be the straight man of reason because Woody's going crazy. Buzz is going crazy. All the toys around him are going crazy. He kind of levels everyone out and he says it how it is and lets people know what's, what's real and what's not and what they should be doing. He also goes along with plans, right? He's not just the one that is like, it's my way or the highway or that I'm the know-it-all and what I know is right. He's also willing to go along with, with plans. And you see that in Toy Story 3 when they get locked up in little toy bins and he plays along with the plan to go and steal Buzz's, uh, his like manual. And he's in the pen like fighting with Rex and they get out and he helps trap uh Re- factory reset buzz in the the plastic bin so he's not just the dude that's cracking jokes being snarky making fun of his friends he's also doing what's best for the greater good and as the everyday man everyday person you hope to also be that Little snowman is great he's hospitable he's very sweet he is only wanting the best for those that come around him. I think that they kind of ruined his character a little bit. Ham kind of stayed the same the entire time, but you get a little bit too much snowman as it goes on. And now he's also the mailman. Oh, but wait, what could have happened to him? What is the backstory? We don't need that really about Ham. Ham is a piggy bank that is snarky and tired of living in Andy's toy room with all of these crazy other toys. You just know who he is. That's all you need out of a Ratzenberger character. You know who he Mm. is. He is this person. I'm going with the number one seed here. Um, Kyle, I I really don't want to overcomplicate things. You know, like I think we have to after we've been talking. It's too late. You know, it's too late. It's too late. Um, but I kind of want to bring it back to like really my gut reaction to John Ratzenberger as a Pixar performer. I mean, his voice just brings, I said it last round, comfort. Um, it brings a comfort and it brings a warmth um, when you hear it. Um, and, and it's like you feel at home and at ease when you hear that Ratzenberger voice. And you certainly could say that about both of these performances. You know, they, yeah. they both 
feel super um, raw. There's no embellishing of it. There's no accent involved. There's no tuning involved. Like it just really feels like him talking. And I really appreciate that about both of these roles. That being said, the moment when you're watching Monsters, Inc. and your heroes not only have been banished to far, far, far from Monstropolis, but they have developed a hatred towards each other that feels so difficult to overcome. We are in the darkest moment of our movie. We are stuck in the snow. It's a blizzard. It's nighttime. Our heroes are lost and fighting with one another. And there is absolutely no hope left. And then, <laughs> like a sign from heaven, oh my God, off screen. Welcome to the Himalayas. That, like that, that's the turning point in the movie. We're back. There is a hope, and thy name is John Ratzenberger. You know that TikTok trend that's happening right now, where people are putting the audio from. Uh, the new Spider-Man movie over other films of like it's the audio of the audience reaction to seeing the other Spider-Man spoiler alert, show up into this new Spider-Man movie and they overlay the audience reaction like the oh 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 and it's like to other scenes of like minimal like reveals I feel like we need to make one that is the the fighting and then the Welcome to the Himalayas, and the crowd goes nuts. Like, oh my god, Ratzenberger's back! <laughs> that is fun. That I'm is make funny. It. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> um, but that's how I feel. Like with this, with this role in particular. Okay, sure. Um, I, it is I a light. It. it is a light in the darkness. And and Kyle, I'll do the heavy lifting here. Um, I, here here's how I'm gonna explain away the <laughs> one night stand line. All right, okay. abominable has been alone in the mountains of Tibet for at least months, could be years. We don't know how long exactly, but it, it was an extended period of time. Let's say his social cues aren't particularly good. Um, and he had this opening for a, a, a joke that he tried to say <laughs> that was just not received <laughs> Right. I mean, that feels uh, sort of abominably, right? Like, sure. Um, like he, he kind of does that with the, with the lemon snow cones yeah. too, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's like, don't worry, they are lemon. And it's like, I Awkward wasn't pause. really thinking, I wasn't really <laughs> thinking that they weren't lemon, but like now you're making me think that they are lemon, <laughs> you know, like, uh, so, so there's some maybe not great social cues uh, coming from abominable. So I'm going to say that's what happened. Okay. It was it was a poorly timed joke uh, that did not land. Abominable is a floofer. floofer. Abominable is a cloud boy. <laughs> He's a snow cone making king. <laughs> and and I I'm gonna crown him the winner of the best John Ratzenberger wow. character bracket. Um, which means Chelsea is gonna have to break the tie here. 
you left me with a lot of power in my hands. Sure. This is making up for the lack of power in round one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you made a very great case with the abominable snowman, especially considering that monsters outside of um, cars and Wally, Monsters University is my solid number three Ooh. Uh, Pixar movie. I absolutely love it. Could be the nerd in me that loves just like anything school related, um, like stationary, whatever. Um, but, and, and the monsters, I believe the monsters university or sorry, monsters Inc. Uh, franchise of films, it stands up better than toy story. In my opinion, I get the toy story. Toy story has this type of nostalgia as it's the first, mm -hmm. but it just, in terms of storyline and then especially how it evolves, I don't think it stands up the same way, the same emotional standards that I got from the Monsters, Inc. franchise. Wow. But we're not here talking about movies. Ooh. We're here talking about John Ratzenberger's characters. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. Oh. So in terms of Ham versus Abominable Snowman, I do have to give Ham the crown oh. as he is, he was the standard that we set every other John Ratzenberger character to. Every time we compared one, we always brought it back to Ham. Well, what would Ham do? Mm. Mm. So now I, I, Ham stands as that he is funny, sweet, rude, mean, sarcastic, but like, you love him because he will be there for you no matter what. And there it is. We went to the jury and the jury found the winner of this bracket as the number one ham from Toy Story and all of its movies and shorts and in between. And as we do at the end of every single bracket, we are going to clap it out. I'm, frankly, I'm surprised. Frankly, okay. I am surprised. Okay. I, I I really thought we were going to give it to some type of sleeper cameo character like the School of Fish, uh. like, you know, Juan Ortodoncia or something like that. Uh, when I approach this bracket, I mean, that's what I think. When I think of John Ratzenberger and Pixar, I think of their cameos. You know, sure. they're fun. Um, they're brief. Um, so so I am I am quite surprised that Ham came away the, the victor here. Yeah, I, I'm a little surprised, but I think I feel like the essence of what Ham is and who what he does feels like a bit of a cameo in every scene that he's in. He never actually controls a lot of the plot or the narrative. He's often just kind of poking his head into a scene and saying something silly or saying something funny or doing something that feels ratzenbergery. So I can see he's the comic relief. I can see why it is surprising because I would see a school of fish type of winner here as like the quintessential like they feel like ham, but they also are a cameo, and that's a perfect mix. But ham is almost that in it of himself. So I can see how we got there. I'm slightly surprised, but I also do love me some ham. So I'm not disappointed. And and ham is going into the rafters. Uh, Chels, thank you so much for joining us on this journey to find the best Ratzenberger character. Uh, we appreciate your insights. We're sorry that we put Mac down so early on, but as it is with cars, and we hope to have you back for not the best bear bracket, but possibly the best cars bracket. 
Yes, that's the perfect way to make it up to me. <laughs> have me on for for the cars bracket. We will have so much intense discussions about it. And you can't go wrong because it's just cars just will win. <laughs> Um, what's, what's Luigi's, what Luigi's little buddy's name? Guido. Guido. Guido for the win, baby. Number yeah. one seed oh, Guido. Number one seed Guido? Wow. Uh, all right. That's for another time, everybody. You know how to reach us. You got something to say about Ratzenberger. Did we mess this up? Did we get it just right? We've got a number one seed taking home the crown. It's rare, but it happens. The favorite walked away, the champion today. Do you have feedback for us? Do you have a bracket idea? Do you want to do some hosting of your own? Do you want to hop in here? This is a super fun time, y'all. We would love to have you. Please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. Or if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash mousemadness and become a member of Jerry's Gang at the $5 level where you will have access to two bonus Mouse Madness <laughs> where you will have access to two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month along with fun things like seasonal Mouse Madness Disney trivia that is coming up in about four weeks super soon it's coming well, we, gotta, we gotta get another prize figured out yeah honestly. we do we'll, we'll find um, it we'll find it yeah you've also got things like access to video episodes um, and some other community fun features that we have going on all the time over there. Folks, as always, thank you so much for listening to Mouse Madness. Ratson, bye bye, y'all. Now, don't try to kid me, man cub. I made a deal with you. What I desire is man's red fire to make my dream come true. Now, give me the secret, man cub. Come on, conclude me what you do. Give me the power, a man's red flower, so I can be like you. Oh. <laughs>